0: Hello, and welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm joined by Lisa Tully. Lisa is a professional animal healer from Ireland. She has an international practice working with dogs and other species using a multi layered holistic approach. She loves to help people deepen their connection with the animals in their lives through meditation and discover ways to become an informed guardian to care for them better at home in a more holistic way. You are in for such a treat with this episode, particularly if you're an animal lover. Lisa gives us so much amazing intel in this episode from the tricky territory of vaccines to the role of emotions and physical issues She tells us about animals guiding their own holistic treatment, the role of the type of pet food that we feed them, and even, get this, animals participating in the treatment of their own human caregivers. There's so much packed into this episode. Lisa has a ton of knowledge, and after the show, she supplied me with really helpful advice for my own dog. I'm going to share in the show notes the link she gave me for those of us in the U.S. who want to find a holistic vet. Funnily enough, she recommended one in particular who she really values, and he just so happened to be the only one listed anywhere near me. So how about that? So in this episode, we talk a lot about homeopathy. And if you want to learn more about homeopathy, please check out Best Made Natural Products. I love their stuff. They've got a ton of information on their site, many different formulations for different conditions. They've got a really useful homeopathic first aid kit tissue salts, and more. If you don't know anything about homeopathy, you're really missing out on a key opportunity for your well-being and that of your loved ones. I highly, highly encourage you to look into this empowering way to address your health needs. Use the link in the show notes and promo code CARA10% for 10% off your order. And now enjoy this episode. So, welcome, Lisa. I'm really excited about this
1: conversation. Oh, me too. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here, Kara. Well, I'm. I love this holistic approach, and you're in
0: Ireland. I'm in Indiana, and I don't know the differences in veterinary care between our countries, but I do know my experience is I don't see a lot of holistic animal practitioners, and I actually have been searching for care that is more aligned with my values. Over here there is a ton of like subscription memberships like not insurance, but like you go to a vet's office and they're they want you to join their membership program. They're trying to get you to come all the time. The latest one that I've been trying, it's a chain. A lot of them are chains now. It's like they're being bought by investors. I can picture like Every time I go into these places, I can like see in the background in in my imagination, these consultants, like businessmen in with whiteboards who are like, how can we drive as much from our customers as possible? It's like they want semi-annual wellness checks now. And it's just I'm constantly getting texts like it's time for us to see your pet. And I'm like, I was just there. And it's all tied up with pharma where you have to have blood draws to be able to get your flea control. It's like all so ingrained and it's yucky and it's so money driven. That's been my personal experience. So I love what you're doing and the promise of it. I hope that many more practitioners will follow in your footsteps, but tell us about your journey and how you came into the healing for animals.
1: First of all, as a wee girl, I wanted to be a vet. Mm. <laughs> I think that's where the, the story starts. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the go-to, isn't it, for animal lovers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and well, veterinary medicine is the highest course here in Ireland. There's only like 80 places for the whole country each year. Or there was back then when I applied for it. So I didn't get it. Mm. <laughs> um, and I ended up studying a science degree. I got I did chemistry in biology. And that has stood to me so much because what I did was I went on a bit of a journey that took me off course, but actually put me smack bang on course eventually was with my chemistry degree. I went and worked for pharma, right? So me I, too. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, have, I work I, on the
0: business <laughs> side, but I spent many years working for pharma.
1: Okay, so you know that world, right? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, and I was I was working in London, selling into the major London hospitals to professors and consultants, right? Selling to clinical trial data, and it really gave me huge confidence when I'm sitting in front of vets now today. I speak their language, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that was. A divine intervention, I think, from the universe, because eventually I got tired and I started to really, really meditate. And living in London, I came across incredible teachers, and one of them is Hema Vias. I know she was on one of your previous podcasts, Mm -hmm. and she just put my life on a completely heart led trajectory where I managed out of pharma <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. proud to say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the best way to go <laughs> and then I went and I set up a tour company where I was running tours in India for three years oh, just wow. so I could deepen my meditation practice right because I would run tours and then I would spend three months longer going to public teachings by the Dalai Lama, going on silent retreats or just immersing myself in it. And that woke up a much, much more refined intuition. And what happened then was I, I, consequently, actually, it was Hema turned to me and she just said, Lisa, I think you'd be really good at communicating with animals, working with animals. Now, Kara, I had spent a year living in the Bolivian rainforest before all of this. And that's when I really learned that you could communicate with animals and connect in with them on a much more conscious level. Okay, that you didn't need to use words, that they could feel your feelings, sense your thoughts, respond to your wishes without you actually having to ask them verbally or to body signals. That's what that time taught me. So when Hema said that to me, I went, Oh my God, yes, this is in me. So then I trained professionally and I studied animal communication and then I studied zoopharmacognosy, which is where animals self-medicate using botanicals. So it's like if you have monkeys in the jungle, they'll eat a certain type of leaf that has little white spikes on it because they actually have parasites at that time and they know if they eat that leaf, it grabs onto the parasites and removes them. Now mm-hmm. this, Yeah, this is why horses eat dandelions in spring to cleanse the liver. It's why your dog will prefer to drink rainwater versus tap water because they know the rainwater has all the good probiotics, all the good stuff in it versus the, all the chemicals that are in the tap water. Okay, this is what happens. So the zoo is about bringing nature to domestic animals. So mm-hmm. I trained in that as well. Yeah. There's more to my story, but <laughs> wow. I love, though, the breadth uh, and the depth of
0: your background. It, it really is rich from a lot of different angles, which is so important because you're really trying to help people with not just with that connection, but biologically with their pets. So,
1: yeah, that's it. It's about, for me, My real goal is actually being the person that is the advocate of the animal nation in such a way that it raises people's consciousness and awareness of how conscious and aware animals actually are. Mm. That in actual fact, they're light years ahead of us. And we are just bumbling along and they're patiently waiting beside us with unconditional love um, and highlighting to us parts of ourselves that need to be healed. So this could be like where when you're feeling anxious and you're working too much. And you're rushing about the house and the cat that likes to usually sit on your lap is running away from you. That's very top line stuff where they can be your barometer and show you, you need to slow down. And until you slow down, I'm not going to sit on your lap. Or where Mm -hmm. the minute you slow down, I'll sit on your lap and I'll purr and I'll Mm -hmm. send healing vibrations right into you. But they'll also go as far as getting sick to mirror us. So I like to tell the story of one of my friend's dogs where his father developed throat cancer. And me knowing animals, I said to him, you make sure your dog's dad doesn't lie on his throat. And he goes, that's exactly what the dog's been doing. I said, the dog is absorbing in the energy of that and trying to heal you. Like often animals will like someone has lung cancer, the cat dies of lung cancer and the person heals. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So this is you don't it's not until you you tune into that radio station, you become a lot more aware of how they mirror back to us our stuff. So we'll hopefully see it and we'll hopefully heal it. And absorb it. Mm-hmm. How powerful is that when you
0: say that. That's incredible. I mentioned in the intro that you have some animal meditations. And I, speaking of purring and cats, and I had one on right before we started. And my cat has been, it's not unusual for her to come and sit by me, but she's kind of taken a break during the day of sitting with me. She wants to sit in this cardboard box and She was in her box and then she actually left the room and I put the meditation on and here she comes and she jumps right up next to me and she starts kneading and purring. And I was like, you haven't done this for a while. And it was really interesting just because she had left the room and walked back in when I put it on. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That was powerful.
1: (laughs) Oh, they love it when we meditate. Yes. Well, I
0: meditate a lot. And when she was a kitten, she would come and meditate with me, but she just doesn't really do that so much anymore. They all run in phases and so forth. But yeah, she used to come and lay right in front of me. And again, sometimes every now and then she'll come, but more often than not, she's not anywhere around, but...
1: (laughs) I, I would pay attention to the meditations that she chooses to do that with, mm-hmm. because they're more than likely meditations that you really need to do more of. Yeah, yeah. As we talk about
0: health and animals, I know I've seen some things with your offerings lately around vaccinations, and I'm really curious on your thoughts about vaccinations, because We do hear things about that for people here in the States, or I guess I should say I do because it just, everybody has their own lens and their own reality going on, but I never hear people questioning animal vaccinations. And I know the same cat that I was just talking about when she was a kitten two years ago, she had a round of vaccinations and she was so lethargic. I had to take her back in the next, and it was the next morning. So I had an an appointment for her in the afternoon. By the next morning, she would hardly move. And it was a Saturday. I was like, I need somebody to see her now. She is not well. And I've refused that particular vaccination ever since. But really, people don't really question. And we have a lot of vaccinations here. You have to have Bordetella, for example, if you're going to have your pets in in any sort of daycare or clinic, you know, like any, if they're going to be boarded. So there are just like even requirements within facilities where it's like you have to stay current with them. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about that.
1: Yeah, that's a it's a big topic and it's one that I try and toe the line where I include everybody in it. Mm -hmm. So uh, in my work, I work alongside three different holistic vets and we share cases together. One of them is one of my best friends. So we are forever cross pollinating. And when I was talking about the vaccines there recently on my socials, it's because I gave a talk on it. To educate holistically minded animal guardians like yourself at home who want to become more informed. And what I would say is that when animals get their vaccinations, you can do something called a titer test. Okay, so a titer test is a simple blood test where they test to see if your animals vaccinations are still active. Okay, basically, if they still have antibodies in their system that are going to fight off whatever the vaccination was for. Now, obviously, with different geographical locations around the world, different vaccines are offered in different regions for different reasons. So your local vet will be able to tell you or your local holistic vet will be able to tell you genuinely, I think, what is really needed. And then before you revaccinate your animal from their early kitten or puppy vaccines or whatever vaccines, you can do those titer tests and the titer tests then will show you if they're there so if the if they are still there if the internal guard dog <laughs> is still in the animal system to ward off intruders like viruses and such there's no need to revaccinate them and the titer test it itself is a contentious issue um, and really? because oh yeah because as you highlighted yourself at the very start of this talk the corporations are have consumed much of the veterinary care industry and it's it's really full on in the States, really full on in the UK, and they're just getting through it all here in Ireland, where they're just sucking up the veterinary practices. They want you to go in for your yearly boosters, obviously, because it's a huge income stream for them. However, I'll tell you a story. There was one holistic vet in the States where in the 90s, she started exploring titer tests and she had her own dog ace and what she did was she titer tested him after all he had was his puppy vaccinations and one booster okay something like that like it wasn't long so she started testing after that each year with the titer tests those vaccinations for his particular ones that he has lasted his entire life Wow. So, so what I want people to think about is as a baby, like, again, it's different in countries, but and different in age as well, what you've had. But as a young child myself, I had the measles, mumps and rubella vaccination. I didn't get it every year after that. I got it once. OK, okay. because our immune system is very clever and there it has a memory. And it doesn't always need to be reminded each year because what happens then is like you're putting in all these guard dogs, extra guard dogs each year that become unemployed because the original guard dog you put in is still active and still doing its job. So I want people to think about it like that, okay? Now, not every vaccination is going to work that way. Again, it's like I know in the States, the rabies shot is one that you guys have to have every year unless you can get... Some states, if the dog or cat has a reaction to the rabies, you can actually get an exemption letter from that. Okay, but the rabies shot is a little bit different because it's not a live uh, vaccine. But really what I would say to people is no matter where you are in the world, It's about finding a holistic veterinarian. There's more of them out there than you would think, Cara. There's loads. I can give you a link after this to where, yeah, you can have the association of homeopathic vets in the United States. And what's amazing about uh, homeopathic vets in the United States, which is different to our ones here, is they can treat without actually seeing the animal physically in their clinic. In Ireland, the law, you have to see them once in your clinic. Okay, so you guys are lucky, you've got amazing holistic vets that you could have a, a video consult with, and they can t- teach you what titer tests are, what vaccines are needed, what titer tests, where to get titer tests done. And they also have homeopathic nosodes, which are homeopathic vaccinations as such, so they're natural vaccinations. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So so you guys are actually spoiled for choice, but like you said, unless you know where to look or where to go, that that's the harder part. But it's all there. And the other thing I want to touch on that you mentioned, Cara, is that the kennel cough vaccination that dogs need to have when they go into boarding kennels, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it's not very effective, but it's kind of like an insurance thing. It's basically mm-hmm. a doggy cold, right? Mm-hmm. So so Again, here in Ireland, I've got many clients who are like, I don't want to get kennel cough. And it's, I think people are waking up, mm. right? I think they're waking up about vaccinations for themselves and they're waking up about vaccinations for their fluffs. And more and more people are asking these in these places, can I, can you board my dog without the kennel cough vaccination? And you'd be surprised how many are kind of in agreements with you or you can say, I've done the, the homeopathic no whatever. Or it's about finding these incredible websites now where people will come and mind your animal for you in your home as a, an exchange to get to have a little holiday in your home. You get to do your thing, go have your holiday. So it's about getting creative. There's resources out there that I'm forever sharing with people and trying to figure out options That's great. I can't wait
0: to get those resources because I very much am tuning into just, I've been through so many vets because I'm like, this is a machine and I don't want a machine. I want a vet. And it just seems very transparent about the, the whole premise is like, we want your money. That's what we care about. And way, we care about that way more than the genuine best interest for your fluff. I love how you said that. (laughs) So I will be very keen to learn like where I can find a holistic vet. So you talked a little bit about healing botanicals, and I would love to know what else you can share about that. The evolution of animals selecting botanicals for their humans. I know that this is something that you have knowledge about. So maybe we start with that.
1: Yeah, so th- this is something that I've been playing around with since I trained in the zoopharmacognosy, where the animals self-select their own botanicals. First of all, to help it make sense to people listening and watching, is I work remotely, right? I work with an animal's photograph, so I've got clients all over the world, right? and through their photograph, with the help of a pendulum, the animal can show me where imbalances are within their body to their meridian system using a bit of five elements Chinese medicine and then based on that they can then show me what botanicals are going to bring them back into balance but then I took it to the next level where I really focus on the whole animal to human mirroring concept that I mentioned so if a dog has IBD for example irritable bowel disease chances are their human at some point will tell me i've got the same problem right really <laughs> oh yeah 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 so you're so you're there dousing away and they're selecting maybe essential oils diluted down for themselves or flower essences or herbs or whatever i have that they need and then i just raise the bar a little bit and i said to them okay i said you're mirroring this i've seen this going on or even if i'm not seeing the mirroring i say to the animal do you want to select botanicals your person? And they'll say yes or no. And then if they do say, I'm selecting flower essences for their person, right? Just to, to give you an idea. And there is two methods that I use. There's just a simple bespoke method of flower essences they could choose for their person. Or there's a more integrated approach where it's called the ABC back method. I learned it off a gentleman called Tony Pinkhurst. He's the director of the uh, f- homeopathy pharmacy in London, Ainsworth. And he created this method where you select three back essences in a certain order. And depending on that order that they're picked in, It tells a very specific emotional picture and story about what's going on for you currently or all your life or something like that. And so what I did was when I learned his method, I said to him, Tony, I said, have you ever applied this method to animals? And he's just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I said, do you mind if I go? He goes, go for it. Like, <laughs> so then what the animals do is they'll select the ABC3 essences for their human. And that'll tell a very specific story. And it'll say where the humans at now, why they got there. And in essence, what they need to do, what they need to heal to shift through it. And I tell you now, Cara, I've been doing this for a few years and I have this particular method and I have not once had any animal guardian say to me, that's not me. My animal has chosen the wrong essences for me. Never. Really? Never. Yeah, never. They just go, they're usually in floods of tears, which is A sign we hit the healing point, and they're like, Oh my God, that's me, that's me. And I'm like, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to heal you. Because in order to really heal your animal, we got to heal you too, or take you along part of the journey at least. Wow. (laughs) That's
0: so powerful. So when you talk about botanicals, this is
1: either essential oils or the Bach flowers? I use about five different ranges of essences, flower essences. So Bach is just one of them. Some I even make myself. I've got hundreds of botanicals. I'll use essential oils. I'll use something called hydrosols, which are basically mm-hmm. floral waters. I'll use herbs, herbal powders. Um, And yeah, and so- Along in conjunction with the homeopathic vets I work with, we also use homeopathy too. And that is there a specific animal homeopathy? No, animal homeopathy is the same as human homeopathy. But
0: I know with humans, like, at least the kind that I use, they're little balls and you have to let them dissolve under your tongue?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question that <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have so much fun answering.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you just clamp their snout closed yes. <laughs> and wait like
1: t- 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, it gets even better. It gets even better. Because <laughs> this I've actually shifted how a homeopathic vet uses homeopathy because With the zoo pharmacognosy, with the animal's ability to self-medicate and self-select their botanicals, if you hold up, say, an essential oil close, that's diluted down that the animal has selected uh, with training, you hold it up and they smell it. There's certain body signals that show they want the oil. They'll lick their lips. Their eyes may start to go droopy. Their nose comes right into the bottle. They eventually go into a healing trance, which is like a meditation, okay, where they've gone very, very deep in the process. They're very still and you really kind of hold them there, right? So this is what they do. And when I was training in this, I was working on my friend Emily's cat as my case study. And she's my friend who's a homeopathy vet. So when she saw this happening, she's just like, Oh, my God. And I said, Emily, we can do a homeopathy too. So she started to offer just those bottles of pillules to her animal clients when they're in her practice. She figures out a remedy and she kind of goes, is it this one or is it this one? Or I just want to check it's this one. And she'll hold it out and she'll look for all of those signals. And the animal will show to her, this is the remedy for me, unless they're particularly nervous being in the vets and they're just not going to play ball. But then the other way I love to use homeopathy with them also is I would put out a saucer of water and get one of those little pillules, whatever remedy they need, and just drop it into the water and they'll drink it if they need it. Oh. And they'll drink it as often as they need it. Interesting. Yeah. You just refresh it every day. Put a new pillule in, refresh the saucer very very good for animals with chronic conditions senior animals serious conditions that you can't quite keep on top of and so this is a real you're basically putting out a pharmacy a holistic pharmacy that your fluffs could choose from you got mm. different remedies and different sauces and you observe which ones they're drinking and when oh my god it's just amazing and this is why i want to lift the lid off this about how they're light years ahead of us Right. They're so in
0: tune with what you need. Now we've talked a lot about physical symptoms. What about the emotional and mental state of animals? So Mm -hmm. I have a dog who is a rescue and we don't know what happened for the first six months. She was on the streets, but she's clearly has a lot of imprints from that formidable time where she's been in a loving home since 2019 But still, she can get triggered and just really will take her on a walk. And we have to be really careful because some dogs just really trigger her. Mm -hmm. And she's like, like really Mm -hmm. wants to go for him. And even having people over to our house, it's like she's the people that she's used to that live in our house. She's like, you guys are okay, anybody else? It's like, nope, you're suspicious, Mm. get out. So I'm curious, do you work with animals who are exhibiting more emotional issues and trauma or is it more just on the physical side?
1: Oh yeah, no, I do both, okay? Mm -hmm. Because I believe that uh, physical conditions begin in the mental, emotional and spiritual disharmonies. Mm -hmm. right so a dog like yours who has that background of a rescue you would absolutely use botanicals like that it's very hard to train out of the dog so because you're basically trying to treat internal imbalances emotionally with external methods and it's it's Mm -hmm. not usually very effective or only effective to a degree Mm
0: -hmm. so I
1: get a lot of dogs that are kind of training fails (laughs) yeah and yeah you go inside again they're self-selecting their own botanicals and the they rewire the neural pathways in their brain. They calm down the heart. They give the adrenals a chance of rest because they're always on alert. So it's, but it is a combination. It's a combination of using the botanicals to reach their soul, to reach the mind, to reach the emotions. But then it's about, physically supporting them as well because a dog like that I would say needs a lot of digestive support because the the brain is the second gut and when you're nervous and you have a lot of tension you're not a lot of the time they're not fully digesting all their foods properly, really? yeah, so or they're overeating or there's something going on, right? I don't know till I actually look at the dog. so it's it would be about replenishing that dog's microbiome, really getting proper good bacteria in there. and then when the the digestive system can actually absorb nutrients, then you really give them a, a very tailored diet. so i I use a lot of different. Fresh foods and recipes that are TCM recipes and fresh. TC- oh, Chinese, traditional Chinese, Chinese yeah, medicine. Yeah, for dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And natural foods, whether they're store bought or I work with people, wherever they're at, wherever their budget's at, wherever their time is at. And then you start to really turn those dogs around. And what you're actually doing is I call this real health insurance. Okay. It's holistic health insurance because you're supporting that animal's organs now because that constant stress is, although it's emotional now, it eventually could lead to physical stuff, whatever that's Mm. going to look like. So you're actually giving them a better trajectory forward into their more senior years, so that they have that kind of stability from a younger age or a middle age or whatever age animals mm-hmm. come to me. Even senior doggos, I've been like you can really just give them much more like enjoyment out of life, more longevity by just putting them in their own healing driving seat. Mm-hmm. I'm
0: really curious too about what you're saying with the dog food Because this is another thing that I called out like years ago to, I remember saying to my husband, I wonder when we're going to get to the point where people are making homemade dog food because right before I had kids, homemade baby food was just starting to kick off. So my oldest is 16 and at least in my world, again, lots of different realities when it hit my sphere, that was like right when we were starting to think about having kids, but Prior to that, everybody used jarred Mm. food. You wouldn't like nobody, unless it was somebody who was very like hippie kind of thing, but it was not mainstream at all to make your own food. And a lot of people didn't even, it was like mind blowing to think you even could make your own baby food. And now I see commercials for, for dog food or pet food that is, it looks more homemade. But I still don't know of a lot of people who make that. I don't know of anybody who's like, yeah, I make my own dog food unless there's a problem. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my dog can only eat chicken and rice right now because that's all that they can tolerate. And we've done that when our dogs have been sick before. But, but on the whole, in my sphere... Nobody that I know of is actively like even thinking about making their own dog food. But is this something that you're are you seeing
1: a changing of the tide in that way? Yeah, absolutely. And I I think I'm seeing a change in the tide in around fresh food as well. So even if people aren't making their own dog food, which a lot of people are, there's also a huge movement in the raw feeding of dogs and cats. Okay, Mm -hmm. where people you get you can buy high quality pre-made or (laughs) pre-prepared tubes yeah with the raw food in it that has the right balance of organs and everything that they need if you think about what a wolf would eat or a cat Mm -hmm. when they're out hunting they'll just they'll eat all of the animal that they catch the prey Um, pretty much so you're kind of trying to replicate that in in the raw food movement which is amazing so I'm really encouraged by the popularity that's definitely growing in in that kind of area and I just it's actually mind-blowing how you can turn an animal around by changing their diet even like mentally yeah you think Oh absolutely. I wonder if I should think
0: about doing that with my dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's just on like dry food. It's good dry food. It's organic or something. It's, it's not like a, it's not one of the mass, whatever, but yeah, I haven't really thought about giving her, I've seen them like they're refrigerated and they look like over here, we have like raw cookie dough that you can just cut up and put in the that's what they look like the pouches for the pre-made cookie dough
1: (laughs) yeah yeah no like it's worth it like for your dog would be good to maybe go from kibble which is the dry food Mm -hmm. to a good quality wet food just to let her digestive system kind of shift and put her on a probiotic or digestive enzymes and let her body make the shift and then in time see how she's doing and then eventually go to raw because I also want to share something with you which is also a bit contentious <laughs> we're, having, <laughs> we're, t- we're touching on lots of contentious topics that's all right <laughs> that's all right <laughs> um, is as as I'm a huge fan of raw feeding I really am but what Chinese medicine has taught me is that not all animals are ready for it or it's not always suitable for every stage of life and every stage of health Okay, so let me, yeah, let me break that down for you. If you have a a dog or a cat, I won't say cats because cats typically do this, but if you have a dog that is the type of dog that buries themselves under the covers, wherever there's a stream of sunlight in the house, they'll lie in it, or they'll go out in the midday sun and lie in it. Even if they take breaks, they'll keep going out and lying in it. Or that dog that literally sit on top of the fire if they could. Right. <laughs> yeah, we all know them. They would have what we call internal cold going on. Okay. So so there's something going on. There's it could be a stagnation in the body, stagnation in the digestive function, because there's cold, they have a cold constitution, the kidneys, the bladder, right? They need to be warmed up. They need warming foods. So you can imagine if you fed that dog or cat a raw diet, which is uncooked meat which is cold in nature their system would find that harder to digest oh, so it yeah so it can be about repairing their system warming up their body and seeing if raw suits them or not but a, a simple test is put out a bowl of raw put out a bowl of cooked food so you see which one they eat like yeah i'll <laughs> <They'll> show you
0: <laughs> right right yeah. Yeah. that makes me think too i've noticed sometimes that my dog wants to be on the floor. Sometimes she wants to be on the bed or on the couch or whatever and sometimes she like I just noticed it this morning which is probably why I'm thinking about it. But I was like I came upstairs and I was like what are you doing on the floor? Why don't you want to be on the you know because normally she's on the couch and it's softer and I'm a human I'm like that's the hard floor. What are you doing? But does that are they signaling anything when they're jumping off of the bed Or something and wanting preferring to lay on the floor.
1: Yeah, sometimes animals can be overheating for a little for a reason as well. Okay, Okay. so so let me give you an example how that can happen. The kidneys in the body regulate the body's temperature, Mm -hmm. right? So if you've had a cold animal all their life just being cold and not having a chance to warm up for whatever reason. And then they become senior. What happens all of us when we become senior is the kidneys naturally run out of a little bit of juice in the tank. OK, they're one of those organs that you have a finite amount of energy in them. And what happens then in senior animals, their kidneys get a little bit tired and they're not quite doing their job. Right. And what happens then is they're not fully regulating the animal's temperature and ours in the body. So they start to get false heat in the body. They get hot flushes, mm-hmm. okay, the excess heat. And they're the dogs they are just like, oh, my God, I can't sit on the couch. No, no, no. They're moving away from the heater or they actually want to sit outside. And they're panting mm. a lot because there's too much heat in the body. Now, that's mm. not to say that's going on for your doggo, but it could be just a sign that your dog is overheating for slightly. There's something mm-hmm. going on there, whatever it is. You don't really know till you go in. But so, so that's why animals can shift. They can suddenly love the heat, heat all their mm-hmm. life, and then suddenly they're too hot. And you're like, uh, why yeah. are you too hot now? You used to love the, the heater. Right, yeah. the, the internal heating system has gone a bit tired. I guess that's what's similar to menopause where, exactly. you know, women
0: experience that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. It's so fascinating. You're just this wealth of knowledge. How can people learn more from you or connect with
1: you directly? Oh, thank you for asking that, Cara. I would love to hear from people. You can find me on my website. It's super easy to remember. It's Animal Healing and then .ie for Ireland. Or if they want to come check me out on the social media, it's Animal Healing Lisa Tully. And I'd love to hear from everybody. (laughs) Wonderful. You've just given us so much to think about
0: and some things that I'm definitely going to be looking into. So I really appreciate your time and your expertise and just how you're presenting in the world and being this pioneer. And I don't know if it feels that way because I know you've been through so much training. So you know of all the people who've come before you, but then there are people like me who it's like, oh my God, there are Lisa Tullys in the world. And look what they're doing for us. They're paving this way and they're, they're delivering all this insight and god if i feel that way imagine how the animals feel so just thank you for what you're doing to advance consciousness when it comes to being conscientious animal guardians i really appreciate it
1: oh listen it's my absolute pleasure it's my raison d'etre it's why (laughs) i'm here so thank you for giving me the opportunity to share absolutely thank you thank you lisa